Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Yeah, thanks for being here today, and thanks for sharing some little time with one another. And pray that uh, God will bless you as we continue to worship together and uh, looking at God's Word this morning. Let's pray. Fathers, we open your Word. We pray that our hearts would be open to your Word. Lord, we do not take for granted the freedom we have to come to worship you, to read your Word, to study it, to share it, and to live by it. Be with our children, early childhood, and the children just left for their classes now, Lord, and bless them as they also continue to worship around your word this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So have you noticed the key word in the theme this morning of the music we've been singing? Love. That's right. Love. The key word you notice is the word love. We've seen that many times this morning. What is love? What is love? Is love just a feeling? Is love an action? Is love an attitude? What is love? Is it an intellectual entity? What is love? What does it mean when you tell someone you love them? Sometimes we kind of throw that out there, um, just sort of cursory maybe. What does it mean, I love you? What does it mean that someone loves us? Romans chapter 5 this morning, if you open your Bibles. As we are also want to encourage you, if you are continuing to do your Bible memory work, right? Are you doing the verses? Huh? That doesn't sound too, doesn't sound too positive there. <laughs> okay. We're doing our Bible memory verses. We have 50 verses we're memorizing. The last couple ones have been pretty well known verses. So you probably could, uh, could get that last week, uh, Romans 6.23. Let's say it together. If you know it, you just look up here. Otherwise you can read it. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23. That was our verse for last week. And we're going to continue today with another verse from the book of Romans that I'd like you to consider taking time to memorize. If you haven't memorized this verse, and to remember it, as these all have to do with one of God's wonderful gift of salvation. This is a great passage of Scripture. This is a really encouraging passage of Scripture. uh, Martin Luther says about this section of Scripture we're going to look at this morning. The Apostle speaks as one who is extremely happy and full of joy. One who speaks as one who is extremely happy and full of joy. We looked at our Sunday school class this morning about the sufferings that the Apostle Paul went through. Five times he was beaten with whips. Three times he was caned with canes. All the different things he went through. He was stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He suffered. He was hungry. All the things that he went through for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ as he was traveling from place to place and sharing the gospel. And yet, as Martin Luther says here, he speaks here as one who is extremely happy and full of joy. This is a wonderful passage of Scripture. So let's look at it. Romans chapter 5. And verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This word justification is the key word right now, sort of in this section, because you will notice that just in the verse in chapter 4 at the very end, 
It says that Christ was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. And then you'll notice in verse 9, it almost is exactly says the same thing verse 1 does. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? This is a, these are legal terms. You know, the word just and justice comes from the same word, right? Just, justice, justification, justified. In fact, you'll notice in chapter 4, you'll see there's economic terms also involved. Verse 24, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in Him. This idea of God's righteousness in Jesus Christ being credited to my account. And I then become just. I become justified. Justification is a very rich and wonderful Christian doctrine. What does it mean to be justified? What does justification bring to us? I want you to think this morning in terms of of, of what these ideas mean and how we live. What does love mean? You know, back in about 50 years ago, there was a very well-known song by the Beatles, All You Need Is Love. Love is all you need, right? All you need is love. Love is all you need. And that's true. That's great. But what is love? What does it mean that that's all you need? What does it mean? What is it? What is love? What does justification bring to us as we consider God's love? Well, we see, first of all, we just read in chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, we have been justified. In the, in the word, the verse, the verb that's used here means something has happened that still continues on in our life. We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The result of being justified through Christ is that we have peace with God. Peace with God. You probably know, what's the Old Testament Hebrew word for peace? Huh? Shalom. When you go to Israel, as we were there last May, if you want to greet somebody, you say shalom. Shalom works for saying hello, and shalom works for saying goodbye. Shalom. The Hebrew word for shalom, peace, really at its core has the idea of relationship. It's not some just kind of abstract term. Most of the time it has to do with, with God's relationship with people with people's relationship with others. Uh, Two-thirds of the time, it has this idea of God's relationship, this idea of peace. We have peace with God. It's not just a subjective feeling, but it's an objective truth which brings this understanding and feeling of peace with God. Think of that. We are at peace with God. Shalom. Shalom indicates the idea of wholeness of health. Of, of, also, it can be the idea of completeness. But the real focus of the word shalom, the real focus is this idea of relationship. You and I can have a relationship with God because we are justified. When God looks at us through Jesus Christ's work on the cross of Calvary, He sees us just. He doesn't see us in our sin. He sees us just. He sees us in Christ's righteousness. And it's because of that that we can have peace with God. Justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, this is one of the the most beautiful verses in the book of Romans, we have peace with God through 
our Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, I want you to notice what he says here in verse 2. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. These are beautiful words. Access into God's grace. The word charis or charis. It's a very multifaceted word. It's a word that, that can be used for gifts, for, for joy, for kindness, for mercy, for unmerited favor, which is really the heart of it. We don't deserve it, but we are given God's grace. We have access into God's grace, which brings us access into God. One of the famous pictures when uh, President Kennedy was president of the United States, you may have seen that one photograph. It was the first time we had a president with little children for a while. And those pictures of his children in the White House, Oval Office, on the floor, and doing this and that and so on. It was just sort of like these kids just come in. Why? Because they had access. It was their dad's office. Yes, it was the office of the president of the United States, but they had access to it because they were part of his family. The Apostle Paul tells us we have access. We can access. It's accessible that God's grace His mercy, His kindness, His joy, His forgiveness to us because we have been justified through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have peace with God and we have access into God's grace and mercy. And look how Paul develops this this thought here. Look at what he says here. He goes on to develop this in quite a lengthy sentence here. Let's go back to verse 2. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And I want to put up the next thing that we have access, we have through justification, is we have hope in God. These are beautiful words. Peace with God. Access into God's grace. Hope. In God. Hope is a wonderful word. And look how he just, look how he develops this now. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, verse three. And we have this pattern here, this, this, these, uh, characteristics that are building upon one another, they're related to hope. We also rejoice in our sufferings. Really? Come on, stop for a minute now. I know you're all being nice today, right? But really? How many of you rejoice in your sufferings? I don't need to see your hands, but, you know, this, is that our natural tendency to, to, oh boy, I get to suffer today? I'm not actually feeling that well today. The Gary is needed. You need your cough drop, Gary? I got one. You sure? Okay, I got one if you need it here. Okay, alright. But that's nothing. I mean, to think of the sufferings that some of our brothers and sisters are going through. You know, when, when all of a sudden you're not feeling as good as you, as you normally do, um, all of a sudden you realize how much you take just normally good health for granted, right? I'm thinking about our brother Kurt, Kurt Olson, and I'm thinking about what he's been through this last year um, with his battle with leukemia. Did we get a report back from his bone marrow? Yeah? No? Okay. We're praying for a good report from the bone marrow uh, biopsy this last week that he'll be able to go home, he and Heather will be able to go home uh, in a few weeks. But think of the, just think of the hardship that, that my brother Kurt's been through and you guys have been through this last year. Really, do we rejoice in those things? Are we happy about those things? Think back over this past year. 
What was the hardest thing you went through? What's been the hardest thing you've been through lately? Financial, relationships, maybe just your emotions, your state of being, your health. What is it? Is it happy? Do we rejoice in those things? Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Paul went through all sorts of sufferings. And this is not just a, just a casual um, uh, suggestion to us. But look what he says here. Why, but here's why we rejoice. Here's why we can rejoice. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, we could say, produces character. And character produces hope. There's a chain there. Paul says we can rejoice in our sufferings. doesn't mean it has to be fun. But we can take the long view and we can rejoice in what God is teaching us, what God is doing, what God is leading us through, and how we how we are growing close to God. And, I mean, you look back on your life, and when are the times, let's be honest, all of us, when are the times that we are most likely to throw ourselves on God? It's during those really difficult times, isn't it? It's during those really difficult times. It's during those times of suffering, and we look back and say, I don't want to have to ever go through that again, and I don't want anybody else to ever have to go through that. But we think of like Job. You know, the, the book of Job, the fascinating book, maybe the oldest, one of the oldest books in the Bible. And Job goes through all that suffering. And he, on top of that, he's got his family and his, his, his wife, and then his, his friends telling him, well, Job, just repent. You know that God doesn't do this for nothing. And Job, Job hangs on to his integrity and says, I'm not, I know that I'm not perfect, but this is not because of something I can confess. I don't know, I don't know why God is doing this. And when all is said and done, and God calls him to task and says, Job, I want to talk to you now. You stand up like a man. I'm going to talk to you. And he asks him all these questions. Where were you when I did this? Where were you when I did this? Who are, who are humans to talk back to God? And when all is said and done, Job, Job says that what did he gain out of that whole experience more than anything? He gained God. I used to, I've heard of you, but now I see you. And so Paul tells us here, and if you're going through suffering and, and challenges right now in your life, whatever they are, look at the look at the positive message of this passage of Scripture. I know it's easy for me to tell you that because I'm not going through those things you're going through. But look what he says. The end result is that our sufferings produce perseverance. We learn to persevere. and we, we take one day at a time. We put one more step in front of us. And perseverance, perseverance leads to character. The godly character. And then this character leads us to hope. And look what he says. Hope does not disappoint us. Hope does not disappoint us. This is all because we are justified through Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He suffered my punishment for my sins. He offers me freely forgiveness for sin. And I received that forgiveness as I did in my life. And I know most of you have in your lives. You've received that. You are now just before God. You don't deserve it, but you are just before God. And because of that, God gives you peace. Peace with Him. Peace in a relationship. You can come to God in peace, not in fear. We call Him our Heavenly Father. Yes, we come with reverence. 
but we are not afraid of him because he's our heavenly father. He loves us and we have peace with God. We have access into the grace of God because he loves us. His mercy, his forgiveness, his kindness, his grace. And we have hope in the things, all the things that we go through in our life. God is bringing us a better understanding of hope, of hope. That we have hope. We have hope in eternity. Once you pray also for uh, Carmen, Carmen Jones and her family, Ben and Carmen. Carmen's father, Larry Jones, is in hospice care and appears to be toward the end of his life with his, uh, his battle with lymphoma. And uh, Larry Jones, many of us have known for a long time, way back to our early days of our, of our ministries at Emmanuel and here, the Jones family. I was visiting with them yesterday just for a minute. And his wife, Sarah, said, you know, we talked about God's peace and how the world doesn't understand how we can have... It's hard. It's hard to go through this. But we have peace. We have peace. Why? And we have hope. Because we know what God has for us is only His best and our best. And then finally, look what he says here. Interestingly enough, this is the first time that Paul is going to use this word love in the book of Romans. Hope, verse 5, does not disappoint us. Why? Because God has poured out. It's a lavish word. God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. God's love is a result of the justification that we have through Jesus Christ. He has poured out His love. You know, the word love, what is love? What is love? I'm sure you maybe have heard that in the Greek language there are different words for love. The word that is commonly used here of God's love, of course, is this word agape love. The interesting thing about that is this this was a legitimate Greek word. In the Greek world, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. Paul wrote this in the Greek language. It's been translated into English for us. This was a legitimate Greek word. It was there. But it was not the primary word for love. If you read Greek literature from the first century, you're not going to find this word that much. It became really kind of a uniquely Christian word. It was a word that perfectly fit the Christian concept of God's love. That this love has nothing to do with reciprocal love. He does not love because we love Him. It has nothing to do with being earned. It has nothing to do with strictly appearances and and physique. All the things that maybe we connect with love. This is a word that is very deep. This is a word that has the idea of of a love that 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 reaches out without any merit on the part of the person it's given to. It's God's perfect Love. It's God's forgiving love. And it became really a uniquely Christian word, even though it was in the Greek language. You're not going to find it that often. But you find it throughout the New Testament. This is the first time in the book of Romans. God's love for us. And Paul says here, God has poured out His love into our hearts. It's, this, it's lavish. He has poured it out. Poured out indicates a present status from this past act. This love has been poured out in the presence of the Holy Spirit and it continues to be poured out. God continues to pour out His love into your heart, into your life by the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's abundant. One of the authors said, 
It's a cloudburst on a parched countryside. You think of a parched piece of ground that has not had rain for a long time and is a cloudburst where the rain just pours out to bring life to that earth, to that ground. God's love came to us when we were utterly weak. God's poured out His love. Look, isn't this a beautiful passage of Scripture? Well, isn't this beautiful? God's peace, God's grace, hope in God, and God's love being poured out into our hearts in the presence of the Holy Spirit into our lives. And then he goes on to explain this. Paul says this, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, and this is talking in terms of, of history, the history of the world, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, for those who didn't deserve it, me. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But our verse, our memory verse for this week, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. You can memorize this verse. I know you can if you haven't already. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I learned this in the King James as a kid, but God commendeth His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And once again, we have this idea that it's it's a present tense verse. This is something that God has continued to do for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated His love. You know, the songs we've been singing this morning, that's what they have been talking about. What is love? Well, you know, when it comes down to it, love demonstrates itself in how it acts, what it does, and what it gives. For God so loved the world that He what? He gave His only begotten Son. God so loved this that He demonstrated His love. We are a vessel of God's love. He has poured His love into our hearts, but He took the initiative and He has demonstrated His love toward us. But God demonstrates His love, own love, His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, He gave. Christ died for us. One of the songs that we sang this morning, I think John, the one you, John and Rich sang, how do we love God? We do this in how we, what I think and what I do and what I live. How do you show your love? How do you love? How do you love others? Is it just a feeling? Is it just a mental exercise? What does it mean that you love somebody? Friends, what it means is you give. You serve. You sacrifice. You do love. This is what God did. All the verses that we read this morning from 1 John, all those passages that you guys read today, have to do with God's love being demonstrated to us. He chose to love us. He gave us His love. All we need is love. All we need is God's love. And God's love is manifested to us in giving us peace, grace, hope, and finally the love of God, the agape love that only He 
can give. God loves us. Isn't that a sweet thing to hear? That God loves you. You know, we need to be reminded. God loves you today as much as He is ever going to love you. God's love for you has nothing to do with with what you do and how you are. God loves you because He has chosen to love you. And there is nothing I am ever going to do that's going to cause God to love me any more than He loves me now. His love is perfect. His love has been giving. His love has been demonstrated. He has demonstrated His own love to me. And He loves me and He loves you as much as He is ever going to love you. And God has called us to respond. How are we to respond? Well, first of all, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, God offers you His love. It's a simple matter, but it, it, it's, it takes sometimes uh, our pride gets in the way to step back and say, God, I know I don't deserve your love. and I don't really quite understand all this, but I'm willing to receive your forgiveness for my sins and receive eternal life and receive your love. God offers that to you freely. And then God has asked us as believers who say we love God and we love the Lord. God has asked us to demonstrate our love. He has poured out His Holy Spirit into our lives. And He has asked us to demonstrate our love by being loving, by doing, by giving. By who can you serve this week? Who can you serve this week? Can you begin in your own home, in your own family? Who can you serve? Who can you show love by doing love to them? God's agape love. He has called us to love. But God commendeth, God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? And not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. All you need is God's love. God's love. And to share that love with the world He has placed us in. We're going to close our service with our final song. What are we singing, John? Come just as you are, okay? And you know what? We got 10 minutes. Can you believe that? It's 10 minutes to 12. Do you think we could sing um, another song as well? The Love of God. If I find that for you. Do you think, does the pianist know that song? Can we sing the song you're going to sing first? And then could we sing The Love of God? Okay, thank you. All right, if not, I'll just preach in our 10 minutes, but I'll let them decide. You want to do that, okay? Would you please stand with us? We're singing, Come Just As You Are. Thank you guys for doing that. Indulge me and sharing that song. You notice that the text on the bottom there that says Frederick M. Lehman, but then it says Meyer Ben Isaac Noharai. Stanza three. And the story is that 
this uh, last stanza that we sang was sketched on the walls of an insane asylum where he had been placed. And uh, this Jewish man here wrote these, these words that we just sang. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stock on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. If you're thankful for the love of God today, can you say amen? Amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your love. And we, we humbly say that we love you. But we love you because you first loved us. What a, wonder, what a wonderful thing just to think about this morning. The love of God. How rich and pure. You've chosen to love us. You've poured your love into our hearts. We think of our children that were here a little while ago and are meeting this morning still. You've poured your love into their hearts. And Father, we pray that we would be a vessel. Not a vessel that bottles up that love and just keeps it there. But since you're willing to continue to pour that love daily into our hearts, we pray, Lord, that we would uncork that vessel and we would let that love flow out so you can fill it again. And Lord, may we do love this week. May we show love. May we walk in love. And may we truly love as you have loved us. And again, Father, if there be a person here who has never received your love, may they just in humbleness say yes to you and receive Christ's payment for their sins and pass from death into life. And we pray this in Christ, our beautiful Savior's wonderful name.